on our PPIM 23 ARC dealing with technology providers. We talked to Mr. Ron Thompson of Novatech today. Uh, you're going to get a little bit about how that technology developed and how he is a master of naming things yeah. and a little bit of Latin. Yeah, new, it's new technology. Yes, fabulous. In fact, we might have him name some stuff for us here at D2 Integrity. He came up with Micron. It's great. It's great. It's a great episode. We hope you enjoy it. Welcome to PPIM 23. We are Pipeline Things here shooting live. You know, Chris, we didn't do the whole walk. Can we do it? We didn't do the whole like high five thing. <clears throat> yes. I'm your host, Rhett Dotson, my co-host, Christopher DeLeon. So we are doing something pretty exciting here at PPIM, which as you can different. see, a little bit different. Yeah. There's going to be a guest with us on every one of the PPIM series. And I'm pretty excited about our first guest, uh, who we'll talk about in just a little bit. But before then, I want to yeah. set the stage by saying that we had to get help. We, we, we made this work. Yeah, we made this work with the help of a lot of people behind us. Get so, help. Yes, we often tell our clients to get help. Let's just say Christopher and I had to get we help. We got help. Because this booth, these amazing life-size cardboard cutouts. If you, that, if you weren't here, you'll see pictures on LinkedIn. Yes, the pictures on LinkedIn. There are life-size cardboard cutouts of Christopher and I that are true to scale, that you can take a photo <laughs> with, all of that was the result of ADV Marketing, the ladies over there. They really did a fabulous and, job. And, and PPM, Tracy, yep. we called around, we tried to get a conference yep. room to figure this out, and between, you know, BJ and Ben and Tracy, they set us up with this great spot. They did. It's convenient for all the ILI suppliers to come over and spend some time with us while we record. Just Hats off to you guys. It is. And you know, the only the only downside to all of this... I don't know if it's a downside. I, the event was pretty public to have Miss Producer at. So yeah. uh, we kept Miss yeah. Producer under wraps. She's in a bunker hidden yeah. somewhere in an undisclosed location. Yeah. And uh, so that nobody tried to grab her up and like try and do their own thing with her because we need her and and the ladies at ADV Marketing here. They so up. we have um, we have our friend Second String Sarah Second representing string. behind the camera. Yeah. You, you know, know it, it makes me it makes me think of like San Francisco 49ers with Purdy, you know, where he had some momentum. Boom. We're gonna see how this goes. Maybe she's gonna take us to the that Super Bowl. Alabama, uh, that Alabama game where they bought in two and he came back and won the championship. <laughs> That's game? right. I mean, didn't they take Jalen Hurts out? Oh. I don't remember the details you know on that one. That was a while. Miss Producer, we love you. We'll see you again when we get back. <laughs> so, all right. I think it's going to be time to introduce our guest. So, the guest that we have today is going yep. to be Mr. Ron Thompson from Novatech. Yep. And as he comes on, I'll say that we are super excited about talking to him. And we'll be right back. All right. So, our first guest, Mr. Ron Thompson, president of Novatech. Ron, thanks for joining us today. Will you uh, introduce yourself to the audience? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, thank you very much, first off, for inviting me. And uh, it's uh, a pleasure to uh, work on this podcast with you. And yeah, so if you want me to give you a little background or history sure. where, where I started, but uh, my journey has not been particularly short. Uh, <laughs> I started in the mid 90s uh, with Pipetronics. So no YPP for you. Uh, and uh, PP, PII in, uh, in the <coughs> early 2000s for short term. And then I had another company called Intratech, which uh, was sold to Baker Hughes in 2011. Yep. And I spent three years at Baker Hughes until early in, the, in 15 and went out on my own and partnered with uh, Compo CPC to, to form Novatech. Novi is in Latin, which means new, 
Ooh. new technology. Novi, that's good. Yes. Like uh, nuevo in Spanish. Can thank which my is also uh, new. my late wife for that. She spoke many languages, including Latin. So that's awesome. She came up with the name. Why didn't you give us a cool name in Latin? I'm working on it. Mm-hmm. I'm working on. It. Trust you me. You gave us D two. I mean, we could. I don't know. No, no. I'm thinking about our yeah. software name. Our software name is oh, going to have okay. a little Latin swag to it as well. So. That's, so you obviously know a lot about ILI. This is going to be really fun. Yeah. Then. I so, spent more than 30 years. <laughs> you yes. spent longer than my entire career in, mm-hmm. in, uh, in ILI. Yeah. So this is going to be fun. So, uh, Ron, I kind of mentioned to you one of the reasons when we chose guests for the PPIM series that we're doing is we wanted to choose guests that our clients are interested in. And I told you, yeah. probably, I without hesitation, we get more questions about the Micron technology from Novatech than probably any other technology. I mean, people are always asking me. They're like, Red, have you run them? Have you used them? Yeah. Have you ever had experience dealing with them? Can they really do this? I mean, I, I, all these series of questions. Certainly. And yeah. so mm-hmm. it's, it's honestly, it's impressive. So kudos to you guys. But one of the things that you guys are doing is, or from the outside, is dealing with MFL technology, fairly established. I would say, and y'all appear to be doing things that nobody else is doing. Circumferential SCC. Uh, what's what's the secret sauce, man? What separates you guys? Well, I'll, I'll kind of go through it in order, maybe from how the company was created. So, when we had an opportunity in uh, mid 2015 to create a new company, build new technology, we didn't want to just kind of make status quo, and we decided to go for as higher resolution as possible with both AMFL and CMFL and build a modular design. We have 10 standard configurations from a basic geometry, high resolution geometry tool, all the way up to what we call a version 10, which we run very often in liquid lines with everything on one tool, AMFL, CMFL, the IDD SM technology, which we'll expand upon in a little bit, uh, IMU, of course, yeah. and that allows a very comprehensive data set. Now, if we have to run two separate tools, we can combine the data as well. So, whichever is suitable for a customer's pipeline, we can accommodate. So, I want to jump in. I mean, the first question that you'll often get when you talk about a combo tool is they always assume it's Caliper, IMU, and MFL. But it sounds like you're able to do both your MFL-A and your MFL-C in a combo configuration? Yes, that's correct, yes. That is that is Novi. That, that, that is yeah. Novi Tech. Yes, and, and as the name implies, <laughs> we, we wanted to build a much higher level of technology. And uh, some of the sampling density you may have read about, yep. um, you know, we like to break it down into samples per square inch because yeah. it's fairly easy to understand. So we can go over 600 with AMFL. We can go as high as 1,000 with CMFL. You combine it with all the other sensor technologies, we can interrogate every square inch up to 2,000 samples of four or more data sets. You know, that that made me think of something, Ron, which is something I think a lot of us are familiar with. When you said 600 per square inch, that makes me think of like your printer. Yeah, that's right? like DPI. Yeah, it's, it's exactly well, what it makes you I think about. Well, that's why I started calling it that. <coughs> that's fantastic. There, people are always talking about spacing yep. and sampling rates, but you have to multiply the two together and calculate the, the effective error. This is just a simpler way to talk about it. It also makes us think about profiles, right? Because that's often what we want to look at. We want to look at the shape of things, right, and the dimensionality of these things. That's a great way to present it. 
Yeah, so when you go into these high sampling densities, and by the way, we don't use any data compression, which is an ongoing, yeah. it's eventually being weeded out due to large memory devices now, but a lot of companies were using pretty heavy data compression loss. So when you say data compression, yeah. in my mind, help me understand that, because is that where the tool only records data if it's above a certain threshold and they're dropping the data, or they're literally... Most of the data compression routines were of that simpler nature, okay. yes. Lossy yeah. data compression. So why, why is that important? Well. If you're looking for very small things, which could include cracks, pinhole corrosion, small details of complex corrosion, having all the samples, not throwing away any of them, is very important because there's some of those little details actually are the ones you need to know to make a diagnosis, a characterization of the flaw types. That also sets you guys up for more advanced analytic techniques, right? <clears throat> yes. Because if you have all yes. the indications, you can run different routines, yep. different pattern recognition softwares, you know, it gives a, a room it, for it developing different algorithms. It opens up a plethora of opportunities yeah. on these complex and small things like the cracking and pinholes that might not have otherwise been achievable with older technology that I've worked with as well in multiple companies. So, so I'd like to ask a pragmatic question because unfortunately, even in the new regulation that came out for uh, 192, we see the term high resolution used. Yeah. Yes. And you're using a term resolution. It feel, honestly, it feels like every vendor says their tool is high resolution. Uh, help me understand on the scale of resolution, mm -hmm. where where's where's this Novatech okay. technology? Well, we'll go back to the sampling density per square inch. Okay. Uh, we'll start with the AMFL because it's the most common one. Most of the other companies are, are probably order magnitude less than us. Yeah. Wow. You know, some so you said six, was it 600, 600 right? 600 samples per square inch. Most of them are sub 100 for sure. There is maybe one other competitor that's probably approaching 200, but wow. the rest are all below 100. So we think of like 80s, we were in standard res, got into the late two. 90s, early 2000s, you started seeing high res. Yes. Now the common language is ultra. Is that why no. you guys went with Micron? Yes. If that's a uh, we, we went with Micron for a couple of reasons. One was to distinguish ourselves from the others. Yeah. But Micron implies we're looking at thing on a microscopic level, yeah. which includes the cracks, of course. So it yeah. seemed natural that we would use a, a descriptor like Micron to yeah. explain this ultra Beyond ultra yeah, high, sets things sets things you know, aside. Resolution, if you will. Yeah, that's it makes how sense. Did you think of the name Micron too? Yes. <laughs> I'm thinking like, do you offer well, your services? The word to Micron cool has been around forever. But, <laughs> but you incorporate it into the name. Yeah, it's the application. Micron, Micron Ilite Technology is a trademark that we have. Oh, that's awesome. Registered, cool. yes. I'm thinking we might have to get this guy's help. If you know, do, and, like reach yes. out. Hey, Ron, can you name our software for us? We need your help here. Yeah. So, there has to be a well, Latin component to it. It's important to identify yourself and so people recognize. And I'm glad that I hear, yeah, you know, from, brand identity from what you guys are listening yeah. to that Micron is being asked. Yeah, when about, people ask right, Micron, so. you associate with Novatex. It's really good. Yeah. Whereas, I, and I like that because yeah. when you hear ultra high resolution or high resolution, it's who? there's two or three. It's yeah, a little foggier. Yeah. Right? yeah, agreed. Right. So, right. I like how you said you started with the design of the tool because that feeds very well into where my next question I wanted to go. Yeah. You guys doing circumferential SCC is really pretty novel. Did you guys sit around a table and say, hey, we want to yeah. target circumferential SCC? That's the question I wanted to ask, too. Or was it a result of having the technology and y'all suddenly started realizing, wait, we actually think we can see this and it kind of evolved organically? Was it a um, strategy or organic? I'll explain the origins and it was uh, it was not on our own. Okay. Um, the director of XL Energy from the Integrity Group, yep. uh, Ray Gardner, yep. approached us 
and he said, we have a circumferential cracking problem. Would your new technology with all this sampling density be helpful? Now, he has a very strong non-destructive testing background as well as being an engineer. And he's worked with EMAT, he knows ultrasonics, he knows flux leakage. So he already had more of a scientific background than yeah. many might have, right? Yeah. And more traditional engineering backgrounds. So I said, well, we're, we're not very confident that we would be able to detect the cracks, but we'll certainly try. If you send us pipe to our research facility in Toronto, we'll pull test it and we'll give it a good try here. Like, we'll see what we can do. So I remember that very well because when we did our first set of pull tests, it was late on a Friday. I'm looking at the data, our head of analysis is looking at the data, and I'm seeing several of the cracks that were, we knew where they were on the pipe, obviously, because we yeah. mag particle and we know exactly yeah. where they were. And I said, I think we see the cracks. So we <laughs> yeah. kind of formed a circle and said, are we really sure? And then we went back and measured the pipe again, made sure that we were actually seeing the cracks. And then we go, and I called Ray Gardner that afternoon before the end of the day, and I said, Ray, we can see good news. We can see yeah, the more good news. <laughs> yeah, we can see the more significant cracks, and that was the early beginnings, yeah. if you will. And he was he was just ecstatic about it, and he said, "Oh, fantastic!" So we completed our pull testing. We published our very first paper yeah. here, PPIM, on what that subject matter. That? Uh, that was in um, sixteen, I believe. Sixteen, I think. I remember when it came yeah. out. Yeah. So that was the beginning of working on the circumferential cracking problem. I think even before we called it Micron ILI technology, which would come out around that time. And, and the, the great thing about that is it's, <clears throat> you solved the problem, which is neat, right? It's, yes, it, now it, I believe we have it solved. And it, I, I, I want to include off-angle cracking because this is a, okay. a relevance too. Not all the cracks are perfectly circumferential. They follow the spiral tape coat wraps sometimes. Yeah. Yep. They can be misaligned by more than 20 degrees. From the from cir from, from the circumferential? From perpendicular to the magnetic field. Perpendicular to the magnetic field. The magnetic field, yes. So why is that important? Because um, UT is a fantastically sensitive technique for cracks, but it needs very good alignment. And I think most published materials say they have to be no more than 10 degrees misaligned. Yeah. And I've worked with ultrasonics a lot, so it's very obvious that's probably yeah. correct. So we can be a little more robust. We can gather up ones that are more off-angle. And the frequency where we find the off-angle cracking is, is nearly half the time, wow. which is not known before. Yeah. So, so yes. being real, when you detected the cracks that afternoon, were you surprised? Somewhat surprised. Yeah. But there'd be more surprises because we also <laughs> thought you can't go, you can't go that fast. Yeah. in velocities, you know, because yeah. the gas systems run pretty fast. So yeah. we thought maybe we'll be limited, it'll be too slow, maybe sub two meters a second. Yeah. But we found through exhaustive testing and now live runs that we can run as fast as five meters a second. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which, so it's a big is, difference. Which is neat, right? And that's why yeah. so many operators rely on the robustness of magnetics, right? Yes. Or at least, let's be clear, MFL-based magnetic tools that's because correct. of the robustness of line debris, velocity excursion, Surface slower, roughness. fast, like all yeah. that fun stuff. So it's neat to see that ported over. Yes, it makes it more practical. So yeah. this is a great point. I'm loving this. We want to dive into some other places where Novatech's going. But before we do that, we're going to take a break and hear from Ben and BJ, our sponsors at PPIM. We'll be right back. BJ Lowe here, Clarion Technical Conferences. And if it's February, it must be PPIM. We're here, that's right, for the 35th time in Houston, Texas, starting in 1989, and here we are in 2023 with another record-breaking turnout for the world's largest 
pipeline technology related event. We've got almost uh, 3,500 people coming for, for four or five days, uh, almost 200 companies exhibiting on the trade show floor, another sellout. Um, it's uh, uh, not too early to begin thinking about 2024. We sell out around June or July, so uh, clarion.org is where you go to sign up. And uh, we hope that you can join us for the next conference if you're not here this year. Um, another big part of the conference is our training and education program, which takes place on the Monday and Tuesday of the week. And this year we have eight really, really great courses, world-class instructors, and almost 300 people showing up uh, for uh, these specialized courses on different aspects of pipeline integrity technology. I'm here with Ben Stroman, my colleague at Clarion. Hey, Ben, what's hey. up? Hey, doing good. Always happy to be here because it's, uh, as we say, it's PPIM season. It's February. So I would like to remind everybody that we also have a very specialized technical conference that's associated with PPIM. And this year, I'm proud to say that we have the largest conference program that we've ever had. It has 94 technical papers that were chosen from a large selection of uh, submissions that were very high quality. Uh, so we're very pleased to be putting on these 94 papers uh, during the week. Uh, I'd also like to mention that we do have online training if you aren't able to make it to PPIM uh, each year. We present online training throughout the year. You can check more of that out at clarion.org. And uh, we hope to see you in one way or another, online or in person. And if you're not here at the 35th version of PPIM, I hope you're here at the 36th. Definitely. All right, welcome back. At, yep, at second string, Sarah made it happen. And we do, oh, you're doing it? You're going to be first string very soon, Sarah. Go ahead. Whoa, Miss Producer, we love you. We love you, Miss Producer. So, uh, so Ron, you really did a great job um, setting up how you guys developed the technology and then found out its it's like, ability. It's like an origin story. It was. Are you going to write a book later? A memoir? <laughs> yes. My time. <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> you can get together with Jerry Rout. By yeah. God, if I if I yeah. was in charge, Version this is how I do it. And you could, you know. Yeah. I guess we wanted to make an impact that changed the industry if we could, and that's yeah. you know sort of the premise of starting the new yeah. company and building this kind of technology in the first place and yeah. taking it, see how far we can go with it because the industry does need help. Yeah. Um, there's shortfalls, particularly in. The areas of crack detection, complex corrosion. And when possible with ILI, yeah. right? For the date the other data integration mm -hmm. capabilities, right? For risk management, planning, yes, all yes. that fun stuff. Yeah. So, so going back to our conversation about the circumferential SCC and the development of the tool, you mm -hmm. mentioned that you know you guys have all of the technologies yeah. on one combo tool, which is kind of A, that is unique. Mm -hmm. uh, but B, I'd like to understand if you're willing, help us explain how important are all of those technologies in the identification of circumferential SEC. Do you guys rely on all of them or is it really just that high density yeah. circumferential or axial? What's, what's Well, in, in all the in all the crack areas, if we if we have the three primary data sets, which would be AMFL, CMFL, IDDSM sensor data, these things give us the high PODs and POIs. On the circumferential cracking, we're running in the mid-90s for POD. POI, which is uh, maybe, I'm not the custodian of all the records, but it might be in the highest order so far for crack for reliability for on sure. the circumferential cracking. So 
those are uh, very very solid numbers uh, a lot of the other technologies are sub 80 yeah. and um, and have a lot of miss miss calls or false positives so we're very reliable and uh, are you guys I want to jump in just a, are you all specific to any type of like a crack aperture at the surface or anything mm -hmm. or are you guys a little bit agnostic to that it's kind of like well crack opening <clears throat> From when I early in my early days of Pipetronics was stated that it had to be 100 microns, mm -hmm. and we were all told that, so we didn't question it at the time. But through our research uh, with XL Energy and now with many other operators, yeah. we can reliably go down to 25 microns or one thousandth of an inch crack opening. So that was believed to be not in the physics for MFL. Um, that's what a lot of people stated, but we've proven that to be false. Yeah, but say, wow. hence why people often yeah. say what you're doing is impossible. So that's yeah. really yeah. cool. So, and we have an abundance of metallurgical evidence to support that, and we published the four papers that deal yeah, with that subject matter. Right? And just for the, the listeners and the viewers, right? I mean, the idea behind MFL is it's when you have metal loss, i.e., a gap or missing materials where you have the mm -hmm. flux leakage, right? And so the idea has always been you have to have a, a minimum threshold yes, of material of opening, loss right. so that you mm -hmm. can detect any type of flux leakage, which is where data compression and all these come into play. And basically what we're saying is it's y'all's technology challenges that, right? Where yes. it, it truly gets closer to like a hairline crack versus it being something more like a gross hook crack, right? Or where corrosion has begun to Correct, create yeah. a larger surface gap or a yeah. surface aperture. So the volumetric component is a contributing factor to the signal response yeah but with this higher resolution it's not a, as limiting a factor as was believed in older generations of mfl technology so and that, that's a that's really a big change right coming back to red's question a little bit maybe some insights on you know if it's circumferential in nature do you just need an mfl a is it the combo tool is it all three talk to us about that so the a is used to detect the cracks. Mm -hmm. The IDDSM sec sensor technology is used to also detect the cracks and confirm that it is a crack. Yeah. We use the amplitudes of both of those signal responses in ratios and comparisons mm. and algorithms yep. to predict the severity. The CMFL is used in this case, because we're talking about circumferential cracks, to rule out other false positives, to yeah. give us higher PODs and, and POIs, because yeah. in the end, really the customer really appreciates that degree of reliability yeah. and because of the cost of digs and investigations. They might not know what they're going to find. They're pretty yeah. sure it's going to be circumferential cracking, but they know so, they'll find something. Yeah. So the CMFL data would be used the same way if we're looking at seam flaws. We'd use the AMFL to say this is not selective seam well corrosion. Yeah. This is a lack of fusion or a sure. crack. And uh, you know we we categorize and characterize things based on that combination of A and CMFL and IDD, IGDSM technology. So it makes me want to know what else they can do. I, I, what I kind of <laughs> like about this is as I'm hearing, it's like you develop a technology, and when it's different, I think you start to find out what it can do. And you guys haven't really limited like. I like that, right? Because you, you could have started and said, look, no, we can't do that. That could have been the answer, right? Yeah. No, nope. because this technology, it says theoretically it's impossible, but instead, you almost just like, let's see what we can do. And then yeah. you don't know. I think when you have a tool sometimes and it's not, boy, too, you don't know what it can do until you try no it. V. I think that's cool. No, I got it, man. Yeah. I'm on it. So, um, in that, in the incorporation of those different data sets, um, 
to the extent you, you're willing or want to answer it. How important is the analyst in that, right? Because some people will try to differentiate themselves mm-hmm. as saying, hey, this is a process that you really can't replicate because you got to have the training, the analyst, or is it is it rooted in AI? or uh, What's the role yeah. of, of the the analyst in you guys? Is it a very yeah. manual, labor-intensive process? It's, or is it- it's an interesting question because that would be one industry position that you need these super experienced analysts. But when you have all these data sets, you're piecing a puzzle together. And in some ways it gets easier when the analyst has more information. Yeah. First to diagnose what it is. You know, what is the characterization of yeah. that flaw? But then second to that is what is the severity? Yeah. So in many ways I think it becomes easier, although training is required. It's Absolutely. always helpful if you have yeah. a background even in AMFL before you start. Well, yeah. we've trained many analysts from scratch that don't come from this industry. Yeah. And it's amazing how well they progress. We are not fully automated yet. We're more of a semi-automated process on the cracking portion of it. Yeah. And that may come in time, but we're not quite there yet. But there's, there's obviously some runway there in, in yeah. other approaches. Sure. AI could be used perhaps. And I often, honestly. in my own experiences, Ron, I, I actually... I'm glad to hear that because I think sometimes the reliance, my own personal opinion on AI, can be a bit of a challenge. It has its place, but usually where AI struggles is on the most critical features. Those are the ones that I feel like you really have to dive in the most. So it's like where the consequences of being wrong are the ones where it struggles the most, which makes it, it's a long, long Yeah, and there's also another way to say that, right? Also, as it relates to outlier management. Right, so if you have all three data sets or an algorithm that has certain requirements, kind of like you said, data compression, in this case maybe thresholding or signal recognition, the idea of having an analyst still very integrated into that process allows a bit for finding the stuff that maybe the algorithm or routine could miss, right? They mm-hmm. see certain patterns and they're able to help with that, what I'll call outlier management, right? Yeah. All yeah. right. Let's rapid fire this, because I want to be respectful of Ron's time as we get back into right. heading towards the papers. So let's see what's in the future. You're going to rapid fire. Okay, we're keep what's short. in the future? So short. Not for me, you're asking Ron okay. what's in the future. Um, so obviously you guys have, it seems to be selective seamount corrosion down pat. Y'all have a great technology. Wait, have we talked? We talked about a selective seamount corrosion? Select, uh, no, circumferential, circumferential sorry. SCC. So the question goes to is it's, what about selective seamount corrosion? It's being developed too, and we believe we're going to have a very good solution that's reliable, but we're improving upon it now. We have quite a few lines we've done, and good candidates we're getting results in, is steadily improving. It's, a, it's challenging. It sure. varies a lot. You know, Some of it is more general corrosion. Some of it is more isolated. The isolated part is much easier. When it's embedded in general corrosion, it gets more difficult, yeah, but we're working on this. selective component yeah. to it. And what we, about... We, we also just want to mention no, that... That the IDD SM sensor technology may be a, a safeguard against missing the really severe flaws of this nature because if if a narrow axial corrosion, selective seamwell corrosion is extremely deep, we probably will see elevated stress around that. That body of work has not been done yet. Yeah. But judging by the cracks, we expect to see some similar responses. So it's another way to safeguard that something didn't get missed. Sure. And that we can include it. And we will continue to work on that. You know, when we think of, to whatever, you know, however you would like to describe it, when we think, when we hear things like IDDSM that makes us want to think Novatech, can you elaborate on what does IDDSM stand for? Mm -hmm. Is it stress? Well, magnifier. Yeah. The IDD part was the original 
um, mm -hmm. acronym, if you will, and, okay. and, and that was for internal depth detection. Okay, yeah, Once sure. we started measuring stress around cracks, we hyphenated and put SM on the end Got it. for stress measurement. So it was IDOD discrimination, and now there's a stress component. Yep. Features and, and internal corrosion detection in the beginning, yeah. So, so like the seam mold corrosion, that's being worked on. What about... Um, axial SCC. Axial SCC. That's the next big thing, okay. obviously, is very you know important to the industry. And we're actively working on that now. We have pretty good uh, collaboration with several operators that are yep. going to give us lines to work on. We have some examples here at PPIM, if, if you gentlemen want to see later, yeah. on axial crack. In pull, oh, testing, in pull testing, we're showing that we have good responses with CMFL. And uh, we are going to probably increase the resolution of the IDD SM sensors for that application. Now that they become long and narrow, they will need a higher sensor density. And uh, maybe a custom, like maybe your, like your like your MFL type configuration. Yes, right? uh, maybe a more of a custom design for the axial cracking problem. But right. that's a big area we want to work on. Material yeah. properties. That's the last one. Material properties. That's also another XL Energy initiative with ourselves. So we're working hard on that. For about a, a, maybe half a year, we've been working on it. I would say, and early signs are we're doing quite well on it. Yeah. So, so our caliper tools can measure the bore with a half yep. millimeter accuracy. That tells us what the wall thickness is, because that's always a variable that can get fouled yeah. up from one yeah. step in wall thickness to another. And um, by analyzing primarily background values with AMFL, we're also looking at CMFL. We can separate 42 from 52, obviously 42 from grade A and B. So we're, yeah. we're working on this and it's showing some promise, I think, that yeah. we'll so be able to help a lot in this area. One way for us to think about it then is it's POD and POI, mm -hmm. but maybe not sizing, right? So it's not so much saying like we're measuring the grade or the smice. That's correct. But rather we're saying mm. we're identifying because of the characteristics, right. this is X42. As, as an example. That's right. Got it. It falls into that category yeah. or one higher or one lower. Yes. Awesome. All right. Well, I am getting the signal from second string Sarah. She's telling me we need to wrap it up. I want to say thank you so much. Sarah, you're number one. Number <laughs> yeah. one. You're number one, Ron. Thank you, Ron, for joining us from Nova. No, thank Tech. you very much, guys. This I really appreciate uh, your time today. A busy yeah. week for everybody. So uh, yeah, and we, we appreciate your time. Yeah, and well, we do look forward. If you guys are going to be here next year, or want to reach out to Mr. Ron Thompson from Nova Tech. You've heard a great episode. We will be back in two weeks with someone else from PBIM. Thanks for joining us.